Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Uncommon Conversations, where we work on creating comfort out of discomfort. It's Wednesday again. It is it just me or are the weeks just going by really quickly? Well, anyways, for those of you who are new, welcome. I'm excited that you're here. For context, this podcast was created out of my own desire to dive deeper into topics and ideas that are typically avoided by people every day. For those of you who have listened to other episodes, welcome back. I'm excited to continue the conversations with you as well. For today's episode, I'm very excited because not only is it the 10th episode of my podcast, means that I've been doing this crazy thing that I thought about in just maybe a conversation just about a year ago, and I'm actually doing it. I've been doing it for 10 weeks now. But also, I am joined today by a special, special guest of mine. And so uh, this person, she's been a great friend for about 12 years now. We met in middle school ironically, on the way to school because we went to kind of this commuting school. And so students live from all around the area from as far as maybe an hour away. And so we would be taken and we, I mean, my friend and I would be taken by our parents to the bus stop, which was located in our city's movie theater. And we were dropped off by our parents alongside all of our other friends. And then we would wait in line to board the bus and then the bus would take us to school. It was usually about a 45 minute bus ride. And I remember this so vividly because (laughs) I would sit in the front of the bus, always in the front right. And I just knew everyone. I would welcome everyone on the bus. Like, I don't know if I was employed by the school or or if it was like an internship, but I was I was for sure an employee without knowing it and without getting paid, of course. But she would sit towards the middle of the bus, towards the middle back. She was friends with the high schooler. She was like one of the popular cool kids. I was that nerd that was friends with the bus driver and that's it. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of built our friendship off of um, the amount of times that I would go and buy candy and That sounds like low-key like a child molester. But I would give kids candy on the bus. My other friends, I would give my other friends candies on Halloween and special holidays. But anyways, this is going on a tangent. But I I really value her as as a friend because over the the last 12 years, uh, she's been such a person that is an example of what honesty is. Uh, Like an honest person. She's an accountable person. She's a great listener. She's very driven and ambitious. Uh, shoots high for her goals, and it's just really genuine uh, when you're present with her. And so today, we're going to be wrapping up the topic of fear, and we're going to be talking about, you know, what's her perspective of fear? What are some experiences that she's had in her life that has made her afraid or has made her feel afraid with different decisions that she's had to go about? And so I'm just really excited for this conversation. Uh, This is the first time she's ever done something like this, and so she's a bit nervous, but I'm excited for the conversation ultimately Uh, just because we're recording it doesn't make anything different, right? So, but before we jump into the conversation, I do want to remind you guys that the reason that I do this podcast is really to to foster a space where we're able to grow. And with growth, I believe there's expectations. 
And I want to share these expectations that I have with you because I'm a firm believer that if someone has expectations, then we must communicate them. And so just like any other relationship, the relationship that you and I have within this podcast, I want to communicate what my expectations are for you when you listen to this podcast so that we could not uh, set any of ourselves up for disappointment. So let's jump into those expectations. The first one is respect. Please be respectful of this space as many people may come with different goals or intentions. I want this space to feel safe for others to grow, for others to reflect and to feel. The next expectation is assume positive intent. Assume that the words, the ideas, and the opinions that I share come from a genuine heart to build conversation as well as comfort in having these hard conversations. The next one is lean into disagreements with vulnerability and curiosity. I can validate how it's easier said than done, but don't let fear get in the way of you opening up and becoming curious about a topic or from being vulnerable with yourself. The second to last one is give yourself space. A lot of these conversations are more present in our lives than you might realize. When listening to this podcast, put yourself in a place where you can think, where you could feel, where you could process. I'm not sure I recommend listening to this podcast when you're driving or studying, uh, but I mean, you do you at the end of the day, right? And then the last expectation is continue having these conversations with friends, family, and people that you trust so that you could foster and influence growth in your own lives and with your relationships as well. Invite those people into a space where they also feel safe and trust you to be able to build and foster that growth that they desire in their life. The reason a lot of these topics are hard to have is because we don't have them. The more we work on having them, the easier it'll get to process a lot of the things that do happen in our life. All right. Well, now that we got those expectations out of the way, I'm really excited because it's time to welcome our guests. Gianna, how are you doing today? I am doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited that you're here. I'm I'm how are you feeling overall? Are you a little nervous? Um, maybe a little bit. If uh only the people listening could have seen my facial expressions when you brought back that candy story. Oh my gosh. I think my jaw was literally on the ground. <laughs> but that's so true. That that bus stop and all those bus rides, such a core childhood memory. And for those of you who know Andy. You could totally imagine just him in his younger years greeting every single person who got on that bus and making Please sure don't. they had a great morning. Please don't imagine that. So precious. <laughs> Little Andy. I know. I was um, scrawny, single, and well, nothing, not much has changed. I'm, I'm not scrawny say. anymore. Not scrawny. <laughs> but but no, yeah, nothing has changed. Still single. Okay. Shots fired. Thanks for calling that out. We're working on that. We're working on that. Yes. I'm I'm kind of regretting it now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But Gianna, I wanted to to invite you to talk today because ultimately, right, when when we were talking about the idea of me starting a podcast, you were one of the first people that I shared that I wanted to start this. And you said, I remember you saying, What are some of the things that you want to do with this? And I said, I really don't know what I want to do. All I want to do is be able to maybe show up for someone that may experience or is experiencing something that I went through in my life and make them feel like they're not alone in what we, what 
journey they're on. And so, I mean, there was fears that we talked about. I remember I was telling you, you know, I'm scared to be vulnerable with a lot of people. Um, I'm scared to be able to put my story out there, which were valid fears, right? And so earlier on, we spent three weeks defining what fear was. We also shared a little bit about what it meant for for myself, you know, as the host of this. And then we talked about, you know, personal, professional, and relational examples of fear, you know. So I want to start off by asking you, what is your definition of fear? Good question. I would say when I think about fear, I think of if I do something or say something, what is going to be the outcome of it? And Mm. that ultimately impacts my feelings about the situation and can instill fear based on what those potential outcomes might be. So you're automatically thinking like, dang, if if when you're thinking about a situation or I'll use the word opportunity, your fears are more rooted in what could happen, the effect, the end, mm-hmm. the impact. What do you think comes with those effects? Like with those, like, what do you feel in your body when you're experiencing fear? Like, how do you know you're afraid at that moment? I feel like for me, fear and stress kind of have the same bodily reactions for myself. So I tend to feel my body like warm up mm. and I I like on the back of my neck, I'll feel like I'm getting warmer. I'm getting hotter. I'm getting my, all of my senses are, um, you know, being triggered and I'm really feeling a lot of things all at one time. You said a word in the beginning. You said, I feel like when I'm afraid or when I'm stressed, mm-hmm. however, I didn't say stress. Why did you mm-hmm. connotate stress with fear? That's, that's a good question. I would say I connotated stress with fear because if you have a fear of something, it can trigger, I'll say myself, to then stress out about it. Whether it's something that's like a rational fear or a totally irrational fear, if you put thought and energy into it, it can ultimately lead you to stress out about it. And I find myself in that situation sometimes more often than not as not as fun as that is to admit it, it's the truth. <laughs> no, no, no. That, and there's, again, r- full disclosure reminder, there's no wrong answer. This is just solely your opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's true. We talked about last, no, two weeks ago that stress is a dimension of fear, right? When you're feeling fear or you're afraid of something that is whatever is festering in your life, one of the th- triggers or one of the ways that you could experience fear is by being stressed, right? There's different dimensions and levels of fear. There's um, desperation, there's anxiety, there's stress, there's uh, what's it called? Tripulation or something like that. And then there's terror and horror. And and I explained, I was like, I don't think I've experienced horror yet, but I've definitely have experienced anxiety like on a daily basis. Yeah. And so, you know, tell me of one of the most recent times that's not professionally involved (laughs) that you've experienced (laughs) stress or anxiety that have made you afraid? I think you just heard my knuckle crack too. I just cracked my knuckle and I was like, dang it. Is that like a nervous tick? (laughs) Maybe. I'm getting a little bit hot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say that life lately has just seemed to be getting more and more busy, which is great. I love having a very full life and schedule 
Um, but with that, I am very much a planner. And so I like to have, I like to know what's going to happen tomorrow. I like to know what's going to mm-hmm. happen this weekend so I can prepare myself for whatever needs to happen in order for that to happen, so to speak. And so, um, I think in that, when you make plans with friends or a significant other, and there's a chance of plans falling through because that's just life and life happens, um, there's a fear of that disappointment. And because we've all Mm. been disappointed, we know what that feels like. And it's not a fun feeling. And so on on the big grand scheme of things, it's not a very big fear or a big deal, but you still have that type of reaction. I still feel that anxiety and wondering, okay, like I I don't want to get too excited about what's to come because it might not happen. Mm. Um, But then also wanting to get excited because if you speak it and you think of it, then it's more likely to happen, right? Power of positive thinking. Yeah. Manifestation. Yeah. No, I mean, we're, I I agree with you, right? Like I there's you and I are very much alike. We're planners mm-hmm. <laughs> and there is a struggle um or I'll use today's word, right? There's a stress and an anxious feeling attached to spontaneity because mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know the outcome. I don't know what's what could happen. I don't feel prepared. Ultimately, the underlying emotion is I don't know. Yeah. It's the ambiguity that triggers and induces the stress and the anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think there's a bigger question in that is in life are we are we able to not know um a lot of things or are we do is it in life when we go about life are we going to know everything that comes up or should come up? No, we aren't going to know everything. Absolutely not. Even in your relationship, like if we could speak a little bit about it, what are some things recently that you maybe expect it, right? I, I want to use the word expectation because I feel like that's also connotated to stress and anxiety is we expect things of others, whether it's in a platonic or a romantic relationship. And sometimes either by lack of communicating or other factors that unfortunately I can't think of right now, there's other things that may trigger us to get disappointed in, in that expectation. You know, what what's something that in your relationship recently that has caused some sort of stress or anxiousness or fear? Yeah, I would say something lately that uh, my boyfriend and I have been working through is just our styles of communication and um, making plans to see each other in the near future. He is probably more spontaneous, or I shouldn't say probably, he is more spontaneous than I am. He works a a different kind of a job where, you know, he's a first responder and his schedule is constantly changing. And, you know, it's just different because with that kind of a lifestyle and work, um, work life balance, like you just have to be flexible And for somebody like me who is very regimented and used to having like, okay, I work 7.30 to 4 p.m. And then maybe I'll hit an Orange Theory class. And, you know, I'm very much on a schedule. And then I have my weekends and the weekends don't change and alternate to different days of the week. Um, It's something that I've had to work on. Like, okay, I know, I know that we both want to see each other and we both are always going to make the effort to see each other. 
Um, but how we communicate when that's going to happen is going to look differently. It might be the day before rather than, um, you know, a couple of days out. And I will add that we live two hours apart. So that plays a big role in it too, because yeah. you have to kind of think about, you know, okay, if I have to drive that distance, am I just staying for a day with you? There's so many different components that go into, um, and into just that aspect. That was kind you of a long winded answer. <laughs> no, you're good. We have, we have time. Um, you and I think a lot because if I was in a relationship that, was two hours of distance, right? To me, mm-hmm. that in a way is a long distance relationship. I think anything under or over 10 minute drive is long distance. Maybe I'm just yeah. crazy. But no, like, it's, it's funny because I never thought about it as being a, in a long distance relationship. But earlier this week, somebody had asked me like, oh, where do you live? And I said, where I'm from. And they're like, oh, you guys are in a long distance relationship. And I was like, oh, I never... I mean, yeah, it's a long drive, but I never thought about it that way because we see each other like once a week at least. <laughs> so wait, you've never thought about you and him being in a long distance relationship? No. Mm-mm. I guess I've always thought about it like, okay, I live in the Bay Area and that person would live in LA or we live in different states. But I guess it is in a similar regard. Yeah, because again, like let's come back to what you you and I were talking about, like you have to plan. Okay, I'm gonna be because I I could already hear you. I'm gonna so I'm gonna get <laughs> off at four today, thirty minutes earlier. I'm just that means I gotta make sure that I'm packed by twelve thirty, and so I gotta make sure that this appointment and this errand gets taken care of by three. I'm gonna load my car at at three forty five so that I can make sure that everything's ready. So once I hit the road, I could stop and get gas, and then I could hit the road by four fifteen. Do my best to avoid as much traffic from. Uh, going up north and then we'll do this. Okay, perfect. I'm going to get there that day. Then I'm going to come back this day. Like there's a whole oh, yeah. system to plan because you and I are such planners. Exactly. And I've met him a, a few times to know that he's very like, go with the wind. And I'm like, yes. I don't know what direction the wind's going. Like how cold <laughs> is it going to be? Are you going to need a jacket for that wind? Like yes. we are very like that. Absolutely. And again, like, I guess, why are we like that? I think it's a a bit of a control thing, you know? There's okay. so much in this life that is out of our control. And I think that that feeling of not being in control, similar to that feeling of not knowing and ambiguity, is uncomfortable. and mm. Or it can be uncomfortable. And so when you can take control in what you can, it feels better. And you have a little bit more of an of a say in like what the impact is going to be or what's going to happen and it just it feels good. Yeah. For me I feel like there's so many things that I don't have control over that I want that control in this area of my life does that make sense? And like mm-hmm. being not in control I'm afraid of just my life being so discombobulated, so disoriented and not having like a direction or a purpose. Like that is, I feel why I desire to have that control. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to have that control for you? I think that I would agree with, with what you just said and, and that being a big factor. I think Also, um, it's just easier to have 
some sort of consistency and schedule mm, yeah. um, in, in your life. I feel better about, I just feel overall better well-being wise if I know that I'm, I have my groove, if I find my groove with some sort of schedule yeah. um, and not having one, like think about when you go on vacation and maybe you're so used to like, oh, eating yes. a certain way or working out like four At days a certain a time. Yeah. And then you go out on vacation and it's just like all of that goes out the window, or at least that's how I am. My boyfriend loves <laughs> to get me to work out on the on vacations and I'm like, can we not? Um, <laughs> but when you, when you come back home, it's like, it's hard to get reacclimated to a, a schedule. But then when you're on vacation, sometimes you miss that. Like you miss that type of a routine. Yeah, I was going to say, that's funny that you say that because I go on vacation and I'm like, when I come back, um, it's like, you have the post-vacation depression, right? Like that exists yeah. for like anyone that tells me otherwise, like find me and let's have a fight because like, that is <laughs> so existing. It's real. It is real. And I, so when I'm in my post-vacation uh, depress um, or my PVD, um, I love acronyms. I love, love, love acronyms. And there so when I'm in my post <laughs> I know when I'm in my post vacation depression, like I feel like there's a sense of that I'm grounded mm-hmm. because of my routine, because of that flow that I have again in my river. It's like, okay, we're going to wake up. We're going to go meditate. We're going to go work out. We're going to have breakfast. Like everything aligns again, rather than my family, as much as a planner, a planning family that they are, when mm-hmm. we go on vacation, it's like all hell's breaks loose it's like vamonos pa like let's do this where are we going to dinner i don't know we're figuring that out on the drive and i'm just like the whole time i'm like if i don't have a cocktail in me like i am stressing <laughs> out the whole entire time because i'm like they don't know what they want to do like i'm literally yeah. going to pass out like i just have to lay down in the back of the uber and just wish that they'll figure it out so yeah. it's like for me it's like the desire to come back and have a sense of groundedness in my consistency mm-hmm. but i often think about why I do that, right? It's it's mm-hmm. a behavior that I want to understand. Obviously, again, oh God, I love that it's a full circle. <laughs> I love that I say that out loud, that I want to know, because what mm-hmm. did we start off by saying? A lot of our fears are stirred and rooted out of us not knowing and not being mm-hmm. able to know. One of my biggest fears for my professional career was I felt like after college in the in the time that I graduated during COVID, I was placed in this like space where it was completely white and I and I vocalized it to family and friends and I said, you know, I felt like in that time I was just in a blank space and did not know where I could go. Mm-hmm. And so many yeah. people would say, but you could also flip that perspective and go in any direction you'd want because you don't have a boundary. You don't have a swim lane. And so yeah. then I was like, well, um, like, I guess I didn't think about it like that, but yeah. that's true. Right. That's so interesting. Can we just talk about that for a second? Because I for think sure. that one of the hardest things about, I mean, aside from graduating amidst a global pandemic, one of the hardest things about like postgraduate life is just that up until this point, it seems like it was very clear cut because we grew up in similar type of families with similar expectations of you're going to go to school, you are going to graduate from middle school and you're going to graduate from high school and then you're going to go off to college, you're going to get internships and you're going to land that 
job. I mean, and that's every parent's dream, I would say, for their child, right? And I think it was so clear for so long what was next. And then Mm. you you get that, you get to that point where you have that first job. And to your point, that paper is so white and, and you can, it's just a blank slate and you can take charge of it and go in any direction you want. And that is scary because nobody is telling you what to do or how Mm -hmm. to do it. And there's no like guidebook and what you should do or how it, like, what is the best thing to do? What's the best way to do things? It's really just trial and error, talking to people, having mentors, um, there's just so much that can happen and it's, it's a little daunting. And if there is a guidebook, I think that shit got lost in, in transit because I have not received it. And I really want someone <laughs> to send me the copy of it. Like I need that yeah. sent to me in Amazon prime ASAP. ASAP. <laughs> no, I get you 100%. I, 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 I guess I didn't think about it like that. There's, there's so much clarity and I feel like it's me being very I want things to be able to be quantifiable. Like I need the number, I need a date. I need mm-hmm. something with a number. I think, you know, in high school we said, okay, for me, right. 2016 is when I was going to graduate high school, which re which initiated going to college. And then in 2020 was when you were supposed to graduate from college. And that would initiate getting a, a career or as a path, you know, another path could open and say, you know, higher education, Mm-hmm. And it's funny that I'm I'm saying that out loud and I'm thinking in my head, how many people in college go to their academic counselor or have conversations with their friends and say, I'm just so scared and so stressed because I don't think I'm going to graduate. And you're like, how many units do you have left? And they'd be like, I don't know, um, 25, 26, right? I'm thinking like of an unrealistic number of units to graduate in your last semester. Like most students take 18. I took 18 <laughs> between 18 to 21. My senior year, I took like 12 because I ran out of units to take. Um, thank God. But my point is like, there was an abnormally un- unrealistic number of units. And they would, I would say, oh, but you could still graduate in December. Oh yeah, but I'd be graduating late. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean you're graduating late? Like you're there. Who told you that you need to graduate within four years? Yeah. And it's like this realization, right? Of like, oh my gosh, like, I guess that is true. Like, I'm like, the way that I was raised is you're doing the damn thing. A lot of people don't make it, whether it's out of um, financial reasons or personal choice. And there's other factors, of course, but for one reason or another, they don't make it to, to that position where they're able to get a higher education you're already doing it and the only reason you're going to push out your graduations because maybe you took a little bit longer or you needed to focus on some more classes that's not really graduating late that's just you're taking up your own time that's on your own time. it's your own path and i think that's a great point because i think that that's such a pressure whether people Mm, realize it or talk about it and it's funny because on the opposite side of that i graduated early and i I was that person who had an Excel spreadsheet come time for class registration. And I took yeah, you did. quarter system. Yeah, I was a big spreadsheet girl. You look um, like a spreadsheet girl. Thank you. That's so kind. Um, 
anyways, I was on quarter system. So I took, I think, between 18 and at my most, I think I took 22 units. Would never recommend. I think I drank wine very frequently because I was so sad and so stressed out all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I could validate that. I fell asleep in a library once when I took 21 units. Yeah, I didn't know that yeah. they turned off the lights and I just fell asleep. And I guess nobody checked. And I woke up oh, at wow. four in the morning in the library. Sad life. Yeah. But I remember, I kid you not, sitting across the way from my counselor one day and I was showing them my, my plan for the next four years, pretty much at the beginning. And then I would meet with them throughout. And at the end there, they were like, so you're going to graduate in um, like three years and a quarter. And I was like, yeah, I know. That's what I wanted to do. And they were like, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> I I'm like, like, that's a good I, question. I already have like my job lined up. But it's funny because it's that expectation of, well, why would you, why would you do that? Like people graduate in four years. So what are you doing and what could you possibly be doing with your life graduating two quarters early? Right. And it's funny that you said, so you said two things that, that festered in my mind, one, the word pressure and two, the word expectation. You've said expectation a couple of times, but specifically in the story, you talked about being pressured by uh, you mentioned like, well, you didn't really mention it, but I'm going to say that you did because it was indirectly mm-hmm. like it was, um, imp- um, what's the word that starts with an I when it was indirectly. another no. I word. What's nope. the word? It was implied. There we go. Oh, implied. Thank you. got to, got to get job, those words Andy. out of my word bank. Thank you. <laughs> so it was implied in that, you know, that there was some social, uh, psychosocial, factors that played a pressure for you academically and holistically knowing how we were both raised right and t- talking about you like how you were raised yes there was like that pressure of saying you know you're the oldest sibling let's think about that yeah remind me again are you first gen no you're not first gen but you're the first sibling to go in your immediate family yes okay and that makes sense because she's the oldest child. There's not like someone else could go to college before <laughs> you. The dog, there we go. That's what we do here, baby. But, you know, there's this pressure of wanting to to be an example for the rest of, of your siblings. And that's a pressure that I can't imagine. Um, but, because even though I do have a younger sister, she isn't going to go to college. But on top of that, you have your own pressures for yourself because here comes the second word because you have set expectations for yourself for your own professional career and knowing you really well, if you ever, if there's ever a change in your plan, in those expectations, immediately there's a, uh, like a sense of I'm failing. I'm, I'm a disappointment. You start getting stressed. You start getting anxious of what do I need to do? I need an immediate solution to resolve what's going on. And one of the things that it was shared with me recently was, and I'll share it with you. It was my therapist, by the way, um, was, you know, when there's situations that do come up, Andy, that cause kind of a trigger of stress, anxiety, or fear. I think anxiety and stress are the, the, the sub factors or sub dimensions of fear, because ultimately they're going to lead for, to you feeling afraid of something. And we'll get to that in a sec. But you got to be able to identify the situation on whether it's a a crisis or an inconvenience. Example. I love that. And you've said that in an earlier podcast or an earlier episode. And 
I have found myself even this week I think I said it to you or I said it to somebody else but I I asked myself I think I was at the car dealership having my vehicle service and they asked me if like (laughs) if I could leave my car overnight and I was like what like no I signed up for the service where I would just wait and it would be done in a couple of hours like I'm not I'm not, I didn't plan to leave my car here, have somebody pick me up and then take me back the next day. So no, I can't have X, Y, Z additionally done. That will have to be another time. And then I was so like flustered and bothered by this. And I remember being like, is this a crisis or is it an inconvenience? And that's such a good way to just, it literally took so much like, pressure off myself to be like why are you getting this upset about it like and end uh, of the day yeah the way i was gonna say is it grounds you mm-hmm. at the end of the day what is it that you can do it's simple actually you have two choices you either leave your car or you don't right? <laughs> i'm gonna like, walk the 40 miles home from stevens i mean there's, there is that option uh, i mean you could also throw if we really want to get peculiar you could walk home you could take public transit. There are other options for you to get home, but it's so simple. Like, I, I hate that we're going to quote my roommate again because I know if he listens to this, uh-huh. I know he's he's going to be like, Ugh, I told you, but love him. Shout out to my roomie. He says it very well. Andy, there's no point to overthink when there's nothing to think about. And it's true. In that situation, though, think about it. I'm just using your example. I know you're making a face. I know. That example, they're like, we need to have your car stay because we found some other things that we need to fix. You have mm-hmm. a choice. You could either leave it and they. you could say, you know, what are the options to get home? I could have my parent pick me up um, or I could have the dealer give me a loaner. Or I could say, hey, unfortunately, I can't leave my car. Is there a possibility we could do this next time? Is it that urgent? And they could say, no, it's not that urgent or yes, it is. But then take it like that. Like the opportunity that we, I think, take away from ourselves and just automatically go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like, I think, why do we do that? I do that often. Every, I think a lot of people do that. You were going to say I, something. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. And I felt myself getting triggered a little bit by this oh, statement no. about overthinking. No, because it's so you true. Do overthink. And it's not, thank you. So do you. Um, true. And it's, it is something that I've heard. My dad says it to me all the time. Like nothing is ever as bad as it seems. And you're investing and exerting so much energy into Mm. something that is like hypothetical. You don't even know if it's going to come to fruition, but you are investing so much time and energy into it. And it's taking a toll on, on you, on your body, on your mental, physical well being. And the one thing that I say about, it's a great reminder and it's necessary for, to be told that. But the one thing that I just have a little bit of beef with about is just to, to tell somebody who's an overthinker, like, well, just don't, just don't overthink it. Don't sweat it. It's like, okay, that's really, that's not effective, That that's not just going to make magically make me not overthink anymore. You know? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I I hope my roomie's listening because I could explain this a little bit more, not directly to your face, but it's true. I I feel like overthinking is like the modern way of saying relax. Like if someone says, "Oh, just relax," I'm like, "Oh, thanks, that fucking help." Like, oh yeah, 
it doesn't yeah. help me at all to just think, relax. Let me just I turn off my stress. My my boyfriend learned rather quickly. There are <laughs> two, <laughs> two things you should not say to me ever, unless to any woman. Yeah, um, calm down. Nope. And and just relax. I started sweating. My, happy feet, my feet started sweating once you said, just relax. I was like, who's going to get hit? Like, definitely. <laughs> that is so true. You don't say that. But I feel like that's so true. Dialing it back. Like, that is such a modern way of saying, like, to a planner, don't overthink. And I and correct me if I'm wrong. What do you think about this? I feel that people who are planners tend to overthink more than those who are spontaneous. Let me say that again. Those who are planners, those who plan more of their daily life, their their schedule, or I don't want to use the word that are more organized because I'm not saying spontaneous people aren't organized. I'm just saying those right. who want their stuff to be organized and structured tend to overthink more than those who are spontaneous. Yeah, I would say that's very true because the whole essence of spontaneity is that's the point. Like you're not putting much thought and energy into it it's like when it happens it happens and if we do this we do this or maybe we'll do that you know it's it's kind of more on the spot yeah i don't like that oh my gosh i just started sweating a lot just because of that (laughs) i know it makes me feel a little bit like clammy um that's so gross but i do think that in the last i would say month i have made a conscious effort and put some intentionality and to seeing the beauty of not being so planner and mm. and thinking that everything has to happen on this timeline, which I it, it's hard because I think up until pretty much you know the last year or two, things did happen on a timeline. That's yeah. how like society works. You know, you go to school at a certain age you graduate at a certain age you go to college you know all of that it kind of happens on functions on a timeline so I think it's natural to want to think about that for the future but I think I've made a very conscious effort in just enjoying the present and maybe not planning out every detail when I'm going to meet up with a friend or my boyfriend or even family and just being with them and enjoying that moment and then if something comes up and we want to do something then we do it and there's so much like just beauty and peace in that Mm. and I think that 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 planning is is crucial you need that for a lot of things and you need to you need that in order to achieve goals that you've set out for yourself and the things that you want in life but there really is a purpose for both sides of the spectrum I agree with you with that it's it's interesting that you said it because I've been working on that. That's something that I, you know, that I am not good at spontaneity. That's one area of my life that I've identified as something that I want to get better. And whether that's me taking myself on dates, <laughs> that sounds so weird, but it's true. Like taking myself out and eating and being mm-hmm. uncomfortable at a restaurant by myself. I'm not alone, mm-hmm. right? I really want to make that emphasis of there's a difference of being alone and being by yourself. I believe alone is when you have no one around you and no one to rely on, no one that you could call, no one that no one that you could lean on. And I do have great people in my inner circle that I could be who I am and what I am, mm-hmm. act whatever way, and no one's going to tell me like, oh, you need to calm down or 
you need to like, don't be like that. Don't say that. Like I could be exactly who I am around those people, but I'm, I sometimes enjoy being by myself and going mm-hmm. out to the beach and just journaling or reading or going on a walk or cycling or the freedom of going to work out and go to a completely different gym so that no one knows you and just have your headphones and listen to some good music and work out. Like there's, I think, power and beauty and almost like a recalibration that happens when you're able to prioritize yourself and put yourself first so that you remain grounded in a lot of the things that you're involved in in your life, whether that be your relationships, whether that be your work, whether that be, I don't know, uh, school. There are things that you need to do. And right, we talked about this and I've shared this with you oftentimes. Like, why are we so quick to show up, help, counsel, and support other people? But when it's time to support, counsel, love, respect, and show up for ourselves, we hesitate. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I'm just afraid that I'll be so vulnerable with myself. I think Brene Brown, I love her so much. Um, says so much about vulnerability and what it takes to be courageous and be vulnerable, vulnerable and the boundaries that should exist in not oversharing. But also, I think I haven't yet heard her say this, but with her 20 years of experience of research, I'm sure she's looked into this more than I have. But I also think there's a difference between being vulnerable with other people and vulnerable, being vulnerable with yourself. I find mm-hmm. it 10 times harder to be vulnerable with myself. And I think that other people may not identify that, but they they also find it difficult to be vulnerable with your, with themselves. Imagine that person out there that is drinking heavily for the wrong reasons. They are choosing not to be vulnerable with themselves potentially by not allowing themselves to identify and say, I have an alcohol problem. I need I need to do something about this, right? We always say that, identifying and vocalizing it yourself and saying, you know, I, I have this challenge or I struggle with this. Identifying your struggles is the first step in fixing it. That is a form of vulnerability. And we're mm-hmm. afraid of doing that with ourselves because then we are going to have a responsibility to take action and do something about it. Um, until then, we don't voice it. It's almost like we don't have a problem, right? We do, but our mind defends itself and says we don't. Mm-hmm. I think that's so obviously like we're talking about a lot of things here, but it's all rooted in fear. I I, I feel like, right. One of my things was um, you have to be uncomfortable to be comfortable. That was the quote that one of my friends shared that started this podcast. And a lot of the times, you know, that I tell myself as a planner is, um, and I wrote down this quote because actually one of my interns from last year, he wasn't my intern. He reported up to one of my colleagues, but he and I worked very closely together. Um, he shared this and he said, don't do something because you want it now. Do it because you want something later. And it's very similar to what my dad has shared with me growing up was plant the seeds that you want, um, plant the seeds of the crops that you want to harvest later, right? It's it's almost like I grew up in this planning stages like don't do something yeah. now do it because you want something later in your life mm-hmm. and i've always indirectly always is a strong word more often than not i have placed this indirect pressure of myself of make sure that every day you're planting good seeds because 5 10 15 years down the road 
when it's time to harvest your crops, I hope you're not surprised at what you get. Like, did you plant good seeds? That is yeah. so, so freaking scary to think about on a daily basis. It was present in my academics. It was present in work. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy that, I mean, you and I have gone through a lot. There was, there was a lot of. Each other grow up. We really have. We've known, I've known you. How old am I? 24. I've known you half of my life now. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the time that we met in middle school, I would, I mean, I, it's a toss up between which one was worse, middle school and high school. I don't think anybody could pay me to go back to either. But those years in life and then going through your young adulthood, they're all such pivotal years. And to see each other and talk with each other about what our struggles are, whether they're super minuscule or they seem like the end of the world or it can have a huge implication for our future. Like we've shared that with one another and we've seen that and we've been able to really watch each other grow, which I think is awesome. You triggered a question in my mind and that's why, if you could share this with me and if you're uncomfortable sharing it, um, too bad because this is uncommon conversation. I know. It's I was going to say, do I have not, a choice? <laughs> I was going to say, it's, if it was common conversations, I'd be like, if you're comfortable, don't share it. But um, why do you feel, why have you felt, how do I want to say this? How, why have you felt safe with me to tell me the things that you've told me? I think that's, a fairly easy question to answer. You are the type of person where you are so warm and inviting and you never place judgment on somebody for something that they've shared with you. Like you welcome them with open arms for anything that they may be going through, have done or have said. And that's very comforting because when you talk about sharing with somebody some of your darkest, most painful moments in life or decisions that you made that you're not proud of, that's so scary. And you're, you're fearful for what that reaction will be like and how you handle and receive those mm-hmm. conversations makes such a difference in people mm-hmm. coming back to you or coming to you in the first place to share. For someone that could be out there listening, And think about this. We don't know who's listening. We don't know where they're listening from. You know what? You know what I'm about? You know, I've said this to you before, but you don't know the bags that they're carrying. Mm -hmm. What would you, what piece of advice would you give that person that may be feeling some, some sort or uh, some dimension of fear? What would you tell them? What would you counsel them with? I would say that as hard as it is and as daunting or scary or for any reason you may have for holding back and talking about it with somebody that you trust, um, it is so much better to go through that walk and whatever you're experiencing with somebody else than going through it alone and holding Mm -hmm. everything in internally. And I know that, Andy, you talked about this. I think it was on the last episode about when somebody releases whatever they're going through onto you, you 
you feel that because it's almost like they just transferred what they're going through onto you. And I think that that's totally understandable. But as much as we care for people, we don't want to like feel the weight of what they're going through on themselves and carry it as our Mm. own um, because that's not healthy either. But I think that if you have somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable enough to share, um, if they love you and they truly care for you, for who you are and all of your flaws and all of the, the beauty that you are, um, it's going to help you. It's going to help them. And it, it can be a really beautiful process. It can be. I do want to say with that, it's going to be hard. There have been many, many people in my life that have told me, well, are you sure you want to do that? It's going to be hard. And Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you that nothing in this life will be easy. If you're ever in a season, that's worth it. 100%. Love that you said that. That's worth it. If you're ever in a season where it feels like, wow, like everything just... Falling into place, everything's so easy. You are doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. You're doing something 100%. wrong because you're complacent. You have gotten comfortable with what you're doing. There is no growth. There's nothing mm-hmm. that's changing that's making you uncomfortable enough to want to push your boundaries and your limits to see what you're capable of. When you have mm-hmm. reached a level of comfortability in your work, you stop growing. You only yeah. continue to do what you're doing, right? When you push yourself, and I'm going to use what Gianna said, you know, when you push yourself to do something in your work that is uncomfortable, you are now growing in a dimension that something new and better is going to be worth more. You're going to be worth more as an employee, right? And it's for all of the assets of your life. Highly, highly encourage that you do find people in your life and keep people, right? This is what we've talked about the last couple of episodes is just like you're so quick to clean your room or clean your car or clean your, your – Gianna made a face. That's why I started laughing. She, she doesn't clean – she cleans her car, but I don't know about her room. Just kidding. I, no, I clean my room. I have other people clean my car. <laughs> <laughs> but just like, you're, just like you're quick to clean your car or clean your room or clean up your photo album or clean your social media with who's following you and all that, remind yourself that it's – equally as important to make time to clean the people who surround you on a day on an everyday basis have people that don't judge you like gianna said like there is a sense of freedom that you get when you're sharing with someone when there's no judgment present where you could be vulnerable and you could be honest and you could be at your lowest point and know that the the other person is there to support you to show up and say Sorry, that sucks. But that's gonna that's okay that it sucks. It doesn't need to be all flowers and sunshine and perfect and align and land. It could yeah. this could be that's a spontaneous not thing. Realistic. It's not. <laughs> it really isn't. And there is a sense of fear when we lose that control in our life to feel like we are going in a direction we had no idea we were going. Mm-hmm. For you that if if you're someone that is spiritual like I am and um if I could say Gianna is too like God 
has a great plan for you, no matter what that looks like. And whatever higher energy you believe in, whether that be Buddha or whether that be Allah or whether that be earth like or energy, that higher energy and being will guide you and continue to propel you in the direction that you are meant to go and pursue in your life. Sometimes it's as simple as letting go and saying, I'm just here to go with the flow. You can never change the flow of the river. The river will end up flowing and choosing that speed that is right for you. And again, I can't stress this enough. It is absolutely horrifying. Maybe I have gone through horrific things to lose control in where you're going in your life. It's present in our relationships as well. It's absolutely scary knowing that you could invest 130% of your energy, your effort, your words, and your actions into someone and then be able to say, yeah, I don't want to do that. It's scary. There's a lot of things in your life that you are going to experience. And if someone ever tells you, oh, don't worry, it'll get easier. Maybe that's someone you need to cut out of your life because they're lying to you. It will not get Mm -hmm. easier. And that's okay. So Gianna, thank you so much for, for, um, joining me today and having this conversation. I valued the conversation that we had. I hope it felt not crazy nerve wracking for you. Did you have fun? I did. Thank you for having me. Of course. It just felt like how we would normally talk. And I think that's what's so amazing about you doing this is that anybody who is lucky enough to have a conversation with you, this is how all of them go. It's this rich, this deep, and it's always rewarding. You forgot to put in a little bit sass here, funny, but I'll, oh, I'll exempt yeah. it. I mean, that was really removed <laughs> from this, which I'm super proud of uh, for both of us, actually. <laughs> I think in the beginning we, we were laughing, we were having a good time, and then we got to a point where we're grounded in talking about that. But yeah, my, my only caveat is that I would not agree with you about the bus and me being the popular one on the bus. I, like, just, okay. No. Yeah. But you that's know fine. That's I okay. Have... We could disagree. That's okay. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I hope that we could have you again in a future episode, whether that be talking about culture, which will be coming up soon, not the next series, but she um, she and I have some interesting stories about being growing up in a household where there's a strong presence of culture, more present within our mothers. Um, and I'm excited to have that conversation down the line. Um, I'm going to leave you with this, that if you are someone that is afraid of taking that next step and you're already, as I'm saying this, you're already thinking about what that next step is and you're already thinking about, you know, what's going to, what's going to happen or what could happen or what if this happens or what if I do this and this doesn't happen or what are people going to think about me? Stop. Remind yourself that most likely you will not have the control and the decisions that you will be um, or that uh, out of the outcomes that will be coming from the decisions that you're making. But at the end of the day, even if you do fail in a lot of the decisions that you're making, you're not really losing because you're learning throughout the way. You're learning things that you could have done differently, things that you that you enjoy doing. You find out things that you like and you don't like. And that's the beauty about moving 
in life, in different seasons of your life, whether it's academic, professional, relational, or personal, or even spiritual, is that having the autonomy and the freedom to make your decisions and choices with not including the fear of what could happen or what, you know, what someone could say about that is just allowing yourself to be able to grow deeper and more focused in a lot of the areas of your life. And so that is it for today's episode. Uh, next week or next episode, we will be having a, a new series that we're opening up. And since it is May, we will be talking very deeply about mental health. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I feel like it's appropriate to be talking about a lot of the things that are present within our community, whether that be our community of teenagers or young 20-year-olds, whether that be people in the LGBTQIA plus community, whether that be in the community of people who identify as an underrepresented um, ethnic group, whatever that community that you identify with the most is, we will be talking about different factors and implications and challenges that are present that really either hurt us or really grow us in our mental health. And so I'm super excited about that. Get ready, bring a lot of your stories, get ready to also dive deep into being vulnerable with those conversations. But I'm just ultimately excited that you're going to be with us for those conversations. Don't forget that if you do have any questions or do have any recommendations about any episodes or topics that you would like me to cover, uh, visit our Instagram at underscore uncommon conversations and send me a direct message. I would love to have a conversation with you, whether that's you being a guest on one of our episodes, whether that's me just chatting with you via Instagram and just getting to know you a little bit more or seeing what are some ways that I could show up for you as well. So anyways... That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you join me next week for another episode of Uncommon Conversations where we work together to create comfort out of discomfort. Take care, everyone.